Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are back together once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, there's been a lot of discussion surrounding the cash-fed cattle market recently, or maybe you should say the lack of a cash-fed cattle market. There have been some industry efforts to try to improve that situation. It looks like we may be making some progress. We'll take a closer look at that to kick off today's show. Also, we're seeing an uptick in rabies in Texas cattle. We'll have that story coming up as well. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Anthrax cases involving livestock is not something we have to talk about all that often in the Texas High Plains, but anthrax is certainly topical for us right now. I'm James Hunt, and we'll bring you some expert advice on Texas Ag Today. The quarterly trade forecast shows record U.S. agricultural exports. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. It's tough sometimes to think in August what plants will be needing in October and November, but we're there. We're going to talk about winterizing or getting plants ready for winter in Texas. Please join me, John Begno. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. At last summer's business meeting of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, cattle producers agreed on a plan to get more fed cattle sold on the cash market to help have more robust price discovery. Two quarters have passed since that agreement was enacted, and Ross Wilson with Texas Cattle Feeders says feedlots in our region are on board with the plan. We are strong supporters of the industry plan. I think NCBA has done a great job of managing a very challenging and difficult process. We full well recognize and acknowledge that we had improvements to make in our three-state area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. The pendulum had swung too far with the alternative marketing agreements, and we had allowed negotiated trade to get too low. It got uh, back just a few short years ago. We got down to two to 4,000 head a week negotiated trade, traditional cash negotiated trade. Out of 90 to 100,000 head that we sell every week in our three-state area, there's good university research that says our area probably needs to be in that 10 to 12, 13, 14 percent. So it takes a while to turn that ship. There's some marketing agreements and relationships and things, cattle on feed under those that need to evolve, but we've done that. And we are now week in, week out, averaging from two to 4,000 head per week, 12 to 13 to 14,000 head per week. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to work very hard to stay there. And while this has been a positive development for the industry, Wilson says there is still a big need for expanded packing capacity. The number of rabies cases in Texas cattle has doubled so far this year. Jessica Domel has the story. 
We have seen a rise in the number of livestock testing positive for rabies this year. According to the Texas Department of State Health Services, 15 cattle have been infected so far. We only saw eight cases last year, which is on par with the five-year average. The majority of this year's cases are focused in central Texas and the eastern side of the panhandle. There's also a confirmed case in West Texas as well. Dr. Susan Rollo, Assistant State Public Health Veterinarian with DSHS, says livestock may be exposed to rabies by interaction with a rabid skunk, raccoon, or other animal. The cattle that tested positive for rabies this year have had the south-central skunk strain. Skunks are the natural animal that carries the, the skunk rabies variant in Texas. And so even when we test the raccoons that are positive for rabies and we genetically look at those, they are also determined to be the skunk strain. So it's basically those raccoons were exposed to a rabid skunk and that's how they got rabies. And the same with the foxes. Symptoms of rabies in animals include a change in behavior, like a wild animal that seems friendly or tame, or nocturnal animals out in the daytime. Animals may also appear to have a hard time walking, eating, or drinking. They may also exhibit excitement or meanness, or will bite or scratch at an old wound until it bleeds. There are vaccines available for livestock. Consult your veterinarian for more. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Cotton Board approves a bigger budget. Board members of the Cotton Board voted to recommend a budget of $82 million to the Secretary of Agriculture for the 2022 Cotton Research and Promotion Program. The vote came during the Cotton Board's 2021 annual meeting held in person in Durham, North Carolina, along with the Cotton Incorporated Board of Directors. The budget recommendation reflects a $2 million increase from 2021. During its business session, the Cotton Board re-elected its current slate of officers for an additional one-year term. Anthrax isn't usually something that Texas Panhandle cattlemen have to deal with, but James Hunt tells us that is not the case this year. It's not too common for anthrax to be an issue in the Texas High Plains. It's generally more of a southwest Texas kind of thing, but it can occur anywhere in the state. And we've now had two confirmed cases in our general area this month. One involving a horse in Armstrong County and another case involving a cow in Hardeman County. It's a serious disease. In fact, it's fatal to cattle, sheep, and goats. Dr. Jesse Monday with the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab in Canyon says anthrax is naturally occurring and is caused by the spores of a bacteria known as Bacillus anthracis. Those spores surface in the soil and they can cause disease in animals after periods of wet, cool weather followed by warm and dry conditions. Anthrax is typically contracted by livestock when they inhale or ingest those spores from contaminated grass or hay. And Dr. Monday says the most common symptom is actually sudden death. So if you find animals that are dead, bloated, especially if they don't have rigor mortis and or they have bloody discharges from their orifices, their mouth, their nose, their rectum, you should call your veterinarian immediately. Anthrax can affect humans, so avoid touching any such carcasses. And to emphasize a key point here, Dr. Monday and other experts urge livestock producers with any concerns about anthrax to contact a veterinarian. There is a labeled vaccine for livestock, so cattle, sheep, goats, swine, horses even, that can be utilized. It's historically effective. It's available. You can buy it straight from the distributor, but you should work with your veterinarian to establish a livestock protocol and know do you need to apply it to your herd and when do you need to apply it and do you need to plan for that booster shot. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
U.S. agricultural exports are still setting records. Tom Nicoletti has the story. United States Department of Agriculture's quarterly trade forecast shows that U.S. ag exports not only continue at a record-setting pace for fiscal year 2021, but that they will eclipse the 2021 total in fiscal year 2022. The August forecast is USDA's first look at expected exports for fiscal year 2022. Here is USDA economist Seth Meyer. We've got record exports of $173.5 billion. It's a more than $30 billion increase over the value of exports in 2020. And even into 2022, we inch another $4 billion higher to $177.5 billion on exports. So you got a record in 21, you got a bigger record in 22, you know, two back-to-back record years on U.S. exports. USDA reports that the increase is primarily driven by expected record exports of soybeans, horticultural products, dairy products, and sorghum. Exports to China are forecast at a record $39 billion due to higher soybean prices and strong demand for sorghum and cotton. Producers are facing what's really good domestic and export demand. This is how you get a signal for producers to to enhance, expand production. You know, exports have a certainly a job multiplier when we think about what we send overseas. I think it's a good sign that folks love and want American agricultural products. Even as prices rise, they come in for more. That is USDA economist Seth Meyer. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We don't usually think about winterizing plants here in August, but San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno says this is the time to start preparing for cold temperatures. Well, it's that time of the season that uh, we're starting to look forward to cooler temperatures, maybe a little more moisture in the drier areas of Texas and so forth, and plants are much the same way. They tolerate the heat quite well if they're selected for their location. Others struggle a little bit if we choose plants that can't tolerate our Texas summers. But what we do now in the month of August has a direct effect on how they perform during winter. Now, you take last winter, for example. Now, there's not anything. All bets are off. We can't prepare plants for that. That's a true extreme. But you want them in the best health condition that they can be in going into the winter season. So we have roughly 45 to 60 days, depending upon when first frost hits in your area of Texas, to get them ready. So fertilizer is really important. A lot of people say fertilizing in in the heat of summer is a bad idea, and that's not true. As long as you have adequate water, it's usually a great idea because it encourages new growth. Not only new growth of leaves, but also new growth of roots, which are very, very important. We're trying to stabilize those roots and get them strong following a disastrous cold winter. So be sure and fertilize your turf grass, especially your potted plants or your container plants, and make sure some of those flowering perennials in your landscape are groomed. That means cutting off any dead wood and flowers that have spent themselves and getting them in a new growth mode because we have 45 to 60 days of really good climate to grow new leaves. Now, this is not true of larger trees so much, but it is true of our shrubs and it's true of our perennials and annual flowers that we have in our landscape. So fertilizer is a key. Water is very important. Take the time to groom these plants by eliminating any dead wood. It's easy to see what's alive and what's dead. If you're in an area of Texas that did have a lot of freeze damage, I think if it's brown and dead looking, it's probably not going to recover much by now. So let's get that stuff out of the way prior to winter. This is John Begna reporting from San Angelo. 
U.S. officials have confirmed a case of the virus that causes COVID-19 in wild deer. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine asthma can come in both mild and severe forms. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine asthma can come in both mild and severe forms. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. Equine asthma in the mild form was previously called inflammatory airway disease and the severe form was called heaves. Now both are referred to as asthma. Horses with mild asthma may only have exercise intolerance or a cough during exercise, while horses with severe asthma will have respiratory difficulty even at rest. Diagnosis of equine asthma requires a tube to be placed in the airway and samples of cells to be analyzed as asthma must be differentiated from infection and other causes of respiratory disease because the treatments are completely different. Asthma is usually treated with some form of a steroid which would actually make an infection in the lung worse if one was present. So your vet has to make sure on the diagnosis prior to treatment. Most cases of asthma in northern parts of the country occur in horses in stalls in the winter, whereas this study in Texas indicated that there were no difference in seasons. Horses in the study were fed different types of hay, and this did not seem to increase asthma, but only one horse in the study was on a round bale, which I believe can be a risk factor for asthma. In Texas, horses at pasture were more likely at risk to develop asthma compared to those in stalls, which is different from asthma in the northern United States. Overweight horses were also at an increased risk for developing asthma, similar to asthma in humans, which can be related to obesity. The heat and humidity in Texas was also found to be a risk factor for asthma compared to other areas in the United States. The most common time for diagnosis of asthma in this Texas study was horses on pasture in the summer heat. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. officials have confirmed a case of the virus that causes COVID-19 in wild deer. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. White-tailed deer in Ohio have tested positive for the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service announced deer can carry antibodies to the virus earlier this year. Now, the National Veterinary Services Laboratories have confirmed SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, in wild white-tailed deer in Ohio. They are the first confirmed deer with the virus worldwide. The deer showed no clinical signs of infection. According to APHIS, samples from the deer were collected between January and March by Ohio State University as part of ongoing deer damage management activities. So far, SARS-CoV-2 infections have been reported in a small number of species worldwide, mostly in animals that have had close contact with a human with the virus. 
USDA says they are still learning more about SARS-CoV-2 in animals, but based on the information available now, the risk of animals spreading the virus to humans is considered to be low. It appears as though people with the virus can spread it to animals during close contact. USDA says it is urgent that people with suspected or confirmed cases of COVID-19 avoid contact with pets and other animals to protect them from possible infection. The Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service says at this time, the routine testing of animals for the virus that causes COVID-19 is not recommended. States, tribal, local, and territorial animal health and public health officials will work with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to make determinations Determinations about whether animals should be tested. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Monday to kick off the week. We finished mostly lower on live cattle, mostly higher on feeder cattle. One reason for that boost on the feeders may be the fact that the grain markets took a big dive on Monday. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market headed lower to kick off the week on Monday, but the feeder cattle market saw a bit of a bounce, mainly because of a big drop in the grains. August live cattle down $1.75, closing at $120.25. The October down $80 at $128.32. December live cattle down $65, $134.67. October feeder cattle up $0.52, cents, $168.95. November feeders up 57 at 170.52. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on a Monday. We wrapped up last week, topping out at 123 on fed cattle here in Texas and up in Kansas. In Nebraska, we saw sales as high as 130 early in the week. That backed off to 128 later in the week. Boxed beef on Monday lower, choice down 263 at 342.71, select down 239. 31313. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Recognize that? Sheep and goats. Let's head to Fredericksburg to talk to Sean Geisbite about the Tuesday sheep and goat sale. Sean, what did you and your dad Wayne think? Larry, we ended up with right around 2,500. Better kids kind of bring 330 to 360. We had some of those show goat type kids bring uh-huh. up to $4. On some of those feeder kids, it might have been a tick higher. We had some of those feeder kids bring up to up to 4 bucks today. That might have been a tick higher. And on the land market, 330 to 360 on some real fancy ones. And, and on the lighter end, you know, the heavier end, kind of from from 270 to to $3. Any market was steady, uh, kind of from 2 bucks to to $3 just depending on the the carcass weight on those lighter nannies. Some of those lighter nannies bring up to 3 bucks and the billies kind of from 215 to to 240. Tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all, Sean. You can reach us at 830-997-4394. Thank you, Sean. Now, neighbor, let's go to Uvalde. Talk to 
Klein Spear. They sold on Tuesday also. Klein, how did it go? We had 800 head yesterday, Larry. We had a really good turnout. The heavy lambs were 240 to 280 and the light lambs were 270 to $3. The fat ewes were $95 to $1.15. The thin pack of ewes were $85 to $1. The pack of nannies were $1.25 to $1.75. The fat Spanish nannies were $2 to $3. And the uh, good carbritos were $310 to $350. And the lightweights were $285 to $350. Give us your contact info, Klein. Give us a call to office, 830-278. 5621 or my cell phone 830-591-3241. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, there's a good look at the sheep and goat market from the hill country in the southwest portion of Texas. I'm Larry Marble for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. October hogs down 57 at 90.15. December hogs down 32, 82.72. Class 3 milk was lower, September milk down 7 cents, 16.69 a hundredweight. The cotton market kind of shrugged off any potential damage from Hurricane Ida. We ended up closing lower on Monday with October cotton dropping 66 points, 95.61. December cotton down 61 points at 94.23. Good rains in the Midwest, putting big pressure on the corn market. We apparently got some good rain in very dry areas of the northern plains, the upper Midwest, and in Iowa. That put some big selling pressure on corn on Monday. September corn dropped 17 and three quarters, 540 and a quarter. December corn down 11, 542 and three quarters. That pressure spilled over into the wheat market. We closed lower in both hard and soft wheat. New crop July Kansas City wheat down four and three quarters, 707 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down three at 715 and a half. September rough rice was down seven, 1316 a hundredweight. November soybeans dropped 20 cents, 1303 and a quarter. September soybean meal down 660 a ton to close at 347.60 a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas down six at 432. October crude oil up 27 cents, 6901 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Monday. The Dow down 52 points at 35,403. The Nasdaq up 135, 15,264. The S&P up 19 points at 4,528. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.